Female employment is falling. Women are missing out on career opportunities. They're finding worse jobs. So that clearly leads to a widening of the gender wage gap. I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is that according to a recent report, the rate of women's participation in the workforce is the lowest that it's been since 1988. The good news? We're devoting this week's episode of Women in Economics to looking at the impact COVID-19 has had on gender equality, particularly as it relates to the workforce. I'm your host, Carly Sheridan. Let's dive in. COVID-19 has taken a lot of things away from us this past year. It has restricted who we can see, where we can go, which businesses can stay open, and even how we communicate with each other. With so much uncertainty and potential risk, a lot of businesses, either by their own volition or via government mandates, have closed their doors or limited operations. In the U.S., over 22 million jobs were lost in March and April of last year. And while the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that around 44% of those jobs have since come back, women are continuing to leave the workforce in droves. What do I mean by leaving the workforce? Well, in this case, it means that they have either lost their jobs or are no longer looking for work. And according to the National Women's Law Center, the total number of women who fall into that category in the U.S. alone is a staggering 2.3 million. The economic downturn caused by this pandemic has affected men and women very differently. But I want to know why and what the long-term repercussions of this might be. I can think of no better economist to speak to about this than Michelle Tertilt. Specializing in macroeconomics and family economics, that is quite literally an examination of decision-making within families, Tertilt has spent her career answering questions like, does female empowerment promote economic development? And what impact family structures has had on political and institutional change? As a family economist, she researches the role of women in both family dynamics specifically and in society at large. So when COVID-19 hit, she was pretty perfectly positioned to examine its effects. COVID-19 initially was called the great equalizer. By now, it has become quite clear that this is inaccurate. COVID-19 is affecting um, old people a lot more or people with preconditions. And then in terms of the social and economic impact, uh, it's also very highly unequal. The economic impact is much stronger for young people, for immigrants, for low-wage earners, and also for women. So existing inequalities are in fact getting worse, getting amplified. And this is what makes COVID-19 stand out in comparison to previous crises or recessions. Regular recessions are affecting men a lot more than women. So, for example, in the last five recessions, we see that the unemployment rate goes up a lot more for men than for women. The financial crisis, the recession of 2007 to 2009, was labeled a men's session because male unemployment rose by a lot more than female. At the peak, at the height of the recession, we've seen a two percentage point gap in unemployment in the sense that men were more unemployed than women. Not so this time. In this pandemic recession, we've seen the unemployment rate rise by about 13 percentage points for women compared to 10 percentage points for men. So there's a three percentage point gap in terms of women having higher unemployment rate. This is very unique. There are actually some pretty simple explanations as to why COVID-19 is an anomaly here. 
First, the financial crisis shook financial institutions and the real estate market, but it didn't put a grinding halt to other industries. And education, by and large, was not severely impacted either. COVID-19, on the other hand, changed entire industries what felt like overnight. The sectors that are affected are, for example, retail, tourism, uh, restaurant sector. These are sectors in which a lot of women work. In previous recessions, we've seen, you know, construction, manufacturing being affected. And those are very male-dominated industries. So that's one thing. The occupations, the sectors are affected by the lockdown. The second, and maybe even more important reason, are the school closures. So daycare centers and schools have been closed, and uh, that leads to increased childcare needs. Someone has to watch these children, and women have been taking over the brunt of that, and that is affecting women's ability to work. So a lot of women have been forced to reduce hours, for example, or even quit their jobs. Aha, childcare. In most Couples are, on average, I should say, women are taking over the majority of childcare needs. Even in couples where both work full-time, we have about 60% of the childcare done by women. And so the question is, why is this the case? There are two main reasons, in my view. On the one hand, social norms, expectations by society, by the husband, but also the women themselves. But secondly, also financial considerations play a large role. In most couples, the husband earns more. And so if the question is who's going to watch the child and who's going to reduce hours or quit temporarily, it just makes a lot of financial sense for the woman to do that and the husband concentrate on earning a living for the family instead. This is such a catch-22, though. Sure, the pay gap may be lessening, but according to the World Economic Forum, we are still 99.5 years away from gender parity. Globally, we're looking at a 31% gender pay gap that still needs to be filled. Women are paid and promoted less precisely because of our daunting ability to potentially one day maybe have children. If the time comes, as it has, when families who do have children need to make a tough decision about who continues to work, of course it makes sense to stick with the higher salary. But then all we do is continue that cycle by lessening women's value in the workplace versus their value in the home. Women who exit and re-enter the workforce are also put at a disadvantage. We know from previous research that job losses and also reductions in hours, especially in recessions, lead to persistent earning losses even down the road years later, Um, which is why in past recessions, the gender wage gap has actually narrowed because it was the men losing jobs in larger numbers. So in the current pandemic recession, female employment is falling. Women are missing out on career opportunities. They're losing returns to experience. They're finding worse jobs. So that clearly leads to a widening of the gender wage gap. And women are definitely already feeling the effects of this. A study conducted by UBS on COVID-19 and female impact investing found that 61% of women said they feel COVID-19 is hurting their career with raises and promotions on hold, delayed retirement plans, and just less time to focus on work. Another key element here that sets COVID-19 apart from, say, previous recessions is the high risk for elderly people, as Tertilt mentioned earlier. With so many children out of school and daycare, typically parents could turn to the grandparents for support or even to friends. 
This hasn't been possible with social distancing and transmission risks, and so the only option is for childcare to be handled by the parents themselves. But surely there are some positives that have come out of this situation, no? We've seen increases in work flexibility. So firms have been, you know, giving a lot more flexibility than ever before in terms of working hours and where to work. So working from home has become the new norm currently. And so some of that will stay even after the pandemic. It makes it easier for the women to combine a career and a child um, because it saves, for example, commuting time, but also because it leads to more father involvement. So fathers who can work from home, they provide about 50% more childcare time than the fathers who cannot. According to the same UBS study, in the home, men typically only shoulder more of the responsibility in one household category, yard work. Otherwise, it's women who do most of the work when it comes to homework or today remote schooling, childcare, cleaning, and cooking. But the new working from home structures could level out these numbers dramatically. And in some households, the division of childcare responsibilities have already been flipped. We've seen in this pandemic an increase in fathers who were suddenly the main childcare provider. A typical example of this is a father who's an office worker who has the ability to work from home. Um, And the wife could be a nurse or a frontline worker or or working in retail, and she just had to show up for work. We've estimated that about 10% of married couples with children are in a situation where the husband can work from home and the wife cannot. And um, depending on the country and also depending on the month, we've seen between 5 and maybe 25% of fathers in certain months, in certain countries, being the main childcare provider. People have been collecting data on employment by gender and division of labor in the household in many countries by now. And we've seen around the world, women are bearing the brunt of the increase in childcare needs. At the same time, we also see in many, many different countries that fathers are doing a lot more than they ever did in the past. How much more? That seems to depend on the country, and I think social norms do play a large role here. We've seen much larger increase in fathers' involvement in Germany, in the UK, in the US, and much less so in a country like Spain or Argentina, and so that might be related to different strengths of social norms. I'm expecting um, change in social norms because of these daddies who had to take over more responsibility in this crisis. We've really seen, you know, temporarily at least, more fathers on the playgrounds. We've talked already about these couples where he could work from home, she cannot. And so this forced change in the division of labor, some of that, I believe, will lead to change in social norms. Um, It will, you know, also inspire other dads. This will take time. The social norms don't change from one day to the next. And also for these returns to experience to really accumulate takes time. Um, But that's the idea. How much time is unclear, but there are some encouraging precedents we can look to. There are some historical examples, some uh, policy changes that were quite short, and yet it has been shown that it led to social change in the long run. So uh, one example are the so-called daddy months or other um, changes in parental leave policies that led to more father involvement, typically when a child is born. This policy experiment, let's say, um, also led to more father involvement down the road when these same children were a lot older. 
the policy itself was concerning, you know, a couple of months around the birth of a child, and yet these same fathers were long-term more involved. So that's why I believe we could see something similar. But let's go back further still. In World War II, suddenly a lot of women were entering the factories. Temporarily, a lot of women suddenly joined the workforce. And that's interesting because this was at a time where the the one-earner model was essentially the norm. Women were working some, but as soon as they got married and started having children, they left the workforce forever. So then this sudden shift because of the war, in fact, um, led to women in much larger numbers than ever before staying in the workforce. Um, And so that's a good example where there was a sudden shift that led to really long-term changes. Okay, I feel some optimism settling in. What about the companies adopting more remote working models? Could this single-handedly bring about some more structural change here? Flexible work arrangements really help in combining career with children. I think the logic is pretty clear in the sense it, you know, flexible work arrangement allows you, for example, in the middle of the day to take care, you know, of a sick child briefly, but then catch up on work in the evening, for example. Similarly, working from home, which is another form of flexibility, saves you commute time, so you just have more hours per day. I think by now it has become very clear that flexible work arrangements will stay or some part of that will stay. Twitter already announced that any employee of Twitter can work from home forever. Um, We've heard similar statements from Facebook as well, from Google. I think Facebook expects about 50% of the jobs to remain at home or 50% of the time. Another indication is the cost or rent of office space in the inner cities or in central expensive areas, that has already fallen. So companies are already um, preparing to also save money by allocating less office space in these super expensive cities like London, expecting people to work from home more. Ideally, companies who go on to maintain savings like that could allocate some of that money to more generous parental leaves for all parents. Even if it doesn't feel like it right now, this pandemic will end. Churchill even thinks the pandemic could contribute to lowering that 99.5-year sentence the World Economic Forum gives the gender pay gap by as much as a few decades. I think the new normal, so when this crisis is really over, would involve open schools, reliable schools, together with a lot more workplace flexibility for women and men, for everyone, and more father involvement in childcare. So all of that together, in the long run, I have the hope that this will actually lead to a reversal in the gender wage gap, so that in the long run, women could actually benefit and catch up. So we build a model to try to get a sense how it all adds up and how long this would take. Now, there's obviously a lot of caveats and assumptions in here, but it may take, you know, 20 years or so for the benefits to women really to show up. For that to happen, policy needs to adapt to the new rules of our new normal, whatever that ultimately ends up looking like. Because one thing is clear, women are just as vital to the workforce as they are to the family. In terms of policy, I think reliable and affordable childcare is key, it's very important. Second, there are a lot of family policies still in place in many countries that favor the one-earner model. For example, think about tax splitting. 
we have in Germany as one example. So these kind of policies, in my view, need to be reformed because they're really pushing in the opposite direction. And then third, I believe we need to really encourage and support fathers more in their involvement with children and childcare. In our next episode, we'll be looking at the economic policies that helped businesses during COVID-19 and those that hurt. Women in Economics is brought to you by UBS and the Center for Economic Policy Research, CEPR. It's hosted by me, Carly Sheridan, produced and sound engineered by Zoo Agency Berlin, with music provided by Artlist. Help us usher in this new era of economics by sharing the episode with a friend, relative, or colleague, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The featured persons and the Center for Economic Policy Research are not affiliated with UBS. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS. UBS does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented.